Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. I was getting this sermon ready, and I was talking to Kevin, and we were talking about being consumed with something. I'm going to ask you all, and nobody's got to say anything or raise a hand or nothing, but I'm going to ask you all, have you ever been consumed with something? So consumed with something that no matter what, no matter the hardship you face, the pain it may cause you, or the sacrifice it may take, that you're so consumed with that pursuit, with that passion, that you will follow it, and that you'll do whatever it takes, no matter what the cost. And I was visiting with Kevin, and we got to talking, and me and him kind of came to a point that it bothered me, to be honest, is that most people in this world today, I have no idea what that sound is, just more. Uh, most people in this world today have never been so passionate about something, so consumed with something, that they're willing to sacrifice that much for it. Unfortunately, most people today are consumed by something. They're consumed by the normalcy of their life. They're consumed by society. They're consumed by whatever they've been told they need to do to get ahead or to, to be successful or whatever it may be. When you're consumed by something, it takes everything. It takes everything from you. It takes your time. It takes your money. It takes your efforts. It takes your thoughts. And it takes your energy. The only thing being consumed by something, and when you're being consumed by something, you're generally being consumed by something of this world. And when you're being consumed by something of this world, the only thing that it gives back is stress and worry. And I've never talked to a single person in my life that is like, oh man, God, if I could just have more stress and worry in my life, gosh, that'd make me so happy. When you're consumed by the world, it takes and takes and takes until there's no longer any more to take from you. And when it's taken everything that it can from you, and it fills you full of stress, and it fills you full of worry, you lose something. I've seen it in, in, in people. I've seen it in animals. And when I get to talking about losing something, when everything's just been drained from you and you're wore out, uh, Kevin, when we were talking about this, had talked about the analogy of a plow horse that was just plumb wore out. And the first thing I thought of is an old dog we used to have when I was growing up. That dog had been around for a while. I'm the youngest in my family, so by the time I get things, it's usually a little bit played out. And just to give you a little taste of the sense of humor that my father has, we had a big white fluffy dog, snow white fluffy dog. My dad named him Honky. <laughs> and Honky, we had, all of us kids had a little red flyer wagon. And my dad had made a, a little piece of pipe that he'd been around for a little hitch, and we could hook Honky up to the wagon. And he'd pull the three of us around. And when I was little, before I could remember it, I mean, that dog pulled us all around and he would do anything he ever wanted. But when I was big enough that I could go out there and hook him up myself and do these things myself and I wanted this dog to pull me around, I'd get him out of the pen and I'd lead him over to the wagon. My mom made this little harness for him and I'd get him all hooked up. I'd get climbed in the wagon and the dog would lay down. Well, I'd get out of the wagon. I can't do nothing with a dog laying down, so I'd give him a treat, rub on him, try to get him all excited. I'd get back in the wagon. He'd take a couple steps and the dog would lay down. He just wasn't going nowhere. And I, I remember the look that that old dog had. And he was just played out, wore out. He just looked exhausted, like he'd done enough. He'd pulled us kids throughout his, his life enough times. He wasn't going to pull that darn wagon no more. 
It had just taken and taken and taken from him until he had no more left to offer. And this is a little beside the point. But me being the good young cowboy that I am, I decided that, well, if this big white fluffy dog won't pull the wagon, I'm going to catch Dad's hunting dog. That old Weimaraner, he would make a path back and forth down the pen. He'd never quit. He'd run all day. So I was like, that's great. That's a good idea. I just want to go fast. I hooked that dog to the wagon. Terrible idea, kids. If you're here and your parents have a dog that you can hook to a wagon that's really fast and it looks like a good time, do it. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I think back on the look that that old dog had, how he just looked wore out and played out like he had no more left to offer. And I think of the people that I've ran into in my life and here this morning maybe, and the people that, that I come across on a daily basis, and the same look can be found on these people. You look into their eyes and there's always something about the eyes, whether it's the eyes of people or the eyes of an animal. You can look into their eyes and you can see that there's either a spark for life there, there's a shine almost. There's a, there's a sparkle in their eye and you can just see that there's that spark of life there. That spark of happiness or fulfillment or peace or whatever it is that you want to call it. But when you look into something that's been taken and taken and taken and taken from, it's dull. You see that look in their eye and that spark for life is no longer there. They're wore out. They've been taken from until they can't give anymore. And the only thing that it's been replaced by is worry and stress. And every time I run into these people and I get a chance to talk with them, I hear the same question. And I've asked myself the same question because if we're honest, every single one of us at one point or another has been consumed by something of this world to the point that we feel we have nothing left to offer. We're at a point where you cannot take any more from us and that we need to find something else. The question that I hear all the time and that I've asked myself is how did I get here? How could have I possibly went from living, you know, I'd be happy for a while and then all of a sudden I'm down again. And, I, you know, I can't ever maintain this peace and I would never maintain this fulfillment and I can never maintain this happiness. I'm constantly working, working, working and trying to get ahead and I'm doing everything that everybody's telling me to do. I've got a good job. I'm working as hard as I can. I, I, I'm making enough money. I'm getting these things or, or whatever it is. I'm doing whatever I've got to do and I still can't be happy. I'm still wore out and I still feel like I just have nothing left to offer. The answer to this question is so basic to me that it makes me mad every time I get myself in this situation is that we go throughout this world being consumed by it and all of our focus and energy and efforts and thoughts are all put into whatever it is of this world, and we're seeking these things for our happiness, fulfillment, and peace. And you are never going to find happiness, fulfillment, and peace of anything in this world. When you're being consumed by something, it never gives you anything back. Why You can't expect to be given back anything when you're being consumed by something. We look for these things in every place that this world has to offer, and we neglect to look in the one place that really, truly can offer us that peace, happiness, and fulfillment. We never really, truly look to God until we've been to the point where we have nothing left to offer. We, so we feel, and I'm here today, I want to talk to you today, I want to encourage you today to be consumed with God, so that every time you find yourself being down, you know that you still have hope, and that you can you can find happiness, peace, and fulfillment. No matter how hard you work, and no matter how hard you try, you will never find these things if you're looking to the world to give them to you. If you all turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles, and I'll give you a second to get there. And so, dear brothers 
and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. Don't you all want to find what God's will is for you? Don't you all want to find the, the purpose for your life here? I've been talking throughout this, the beginning of this, talking about being consumed by something. And today, like I said just a minute ago, I want to show you and talk to you about the difference between being consumed by this world and being consumed with God. There's a huge difference. Being consumed by gives you nothing. It takes and takes and takes until there's nothing left to offer. Being consumed with, you'll start to see God in everything you do, every aspect of your life. There is no, there is no thing that you can't use to glorify God. If God put that passion in your heart, you take it with you. And when you're consumed with God, you will see God in everything that you do. And as you go and you're looking for God in all these things that you do, one of the things that I tell people, and, and I always get a really goofy look after this as well, if you can't see God there, maybe you shouldn't do it. Pretty simple thought. As the, as the verse says, we must change the way we think. The only way to truly change the way you think is to change, to make a life change, to be consumed with God. When you are that consumed with Him, you will be willing to make these changes in your life. And today I, I've, I've thought and I've read this verse and I went over it again and again and again and I've prayed and prayed and prayed and I've come up with three things that'll help you to change the way you think, to change the way you act and to change the way you look at things in this world to help you to better that relationship, to be more consumed with God. As most of you know, I work with horses every day. And through that, I'm fortunate enough that I get to see these things, these scriptures lived day in and day out. I can see them in every horse I get in that I get to work with. I look for these things. And the first thing, one of the first things I do, the two first things I'm going to talk about, I don't put one above the other. They're both kind of hand in hand. One of the first things I, I want to see or want to do with a horse, whether it's a colt or an old horse that is struggling, is I want to give them new purpose. I want to renew them. That, that colt might need to be renewed from and might need a new purpose to go from being a baby standing in the pasture to being a riding horse. That old horse might need to be renewed or given a new purpose and go from being self-reliant to seeking a partnership. Or he might go from being resistant to being willing. We all have to seek that same renewal. If you're new to your faith, maybe you need to renew yourself with the purpose of maturing and constantly growing and get into your Word, work on your prayer life, and get these things growing in your life. If you're mature to your faith, and this goes for those of you who are new to your faith as well, but if you're mature to your faith, I always have people telling me, you know, well, it's never the same as it was when I first got set on fire for God. It's just never the same. And I ask them, you know, well, have you been looking for God in every aspect of your life? Not just when you come to church on Sundays. Not just when you wake up in the morning or whatever. You've got to look, look for God in everything, every part of your life. So maybe you need to be renewed and start that search and look for God in every aspect of your life. The next thing, when I get a horse in, is I'll, when I start to work with a, with a new horse, anything that comes in, young or old, I want to redirect their focus. I want to change their focus. I either want to change their focus from fear to whatever, but most of all, I want to change their focus from whatever it is possibly on to on me. 
I can't work with a horse and you can't teach a horse a single thing if its focus is on the world around it. Their focus has to be in one place, and that's on the person requesting something of them. And how true is that for us in our relationship with God? If we want to learn and grow and be consumed with God, we have to redirect our focus, change our focus. And our focus, like I've been saying, needs to be on trying to find God in every aspect of our life. All these things I can see in my daily life of working with horses, and I'm blessed to be that. And I know that some of you here today and maybe watching online, I know that some of you work with horses too, and you can't dispute those two things. You can't say, well, I don't need to give a horse a purpose, and I don't need to redirect their focus. Those are That's two of the most basic things of, of teaching something to change the way it thinks, and that's exactly what you're doing with that horse. And that's exactly what God wants to do with us. He wants to change the way we think. So we talked about renewal, or give new purpose. And we talked about redirect, or to change your focus. And the last one that I want to talk about is to re-educate, or to fix bad habits. Once you've given a horse a new purpose, and renewed it, and redirected its focus, then you'll start to educate that horse because until you've got those two things, you cannot educate. You cannot teach anything. You can't teach any animal or person anything without those first two things. So once you accomplish those two things, you want to start to educate that horse. And if it's an older horse, they're going to have bad habits that you're going to have to go back and correct. If it's a new horse, you've got to re-educate that horse to, to learn how to do things because what a lot of people don't know, and I'm sure some of you here do, is that a horse actually doesn't know how to travel with someone on it. It is not an, a, a normal, natural thing for a horse to let you strap a piece of dead animal to its back and let you climb up on it. That is not a normal thing. So you've got to teach it. You've got to re-educate it and let it know that that is going to be okay. A horse doesn't know how to travel balanced with a rider from the get-go. You have to teach it that. And when you throw a rider on there, you're throwing you know, however many pounds, you throw me up there, you're throwing 200 pounds of, of person up there, that animal's not going to know, that horse isn't going to know how to travel and turn and stop and maneuver. You have to teach it all these things, all these very basic things that if you watch an animal in the pasture, yeah, they kind of know. They know how to turn and stop and all this, but they need to be re-educated to learn how to turn and stop and handle when you add something new to their life, being the rider. And that concept is no different than the one we face we have to re-educate ourselves to be consumed with God. We have to re-educate ourselves of how to live a Christian lifestyle. And contrary to popular belief, it isn't really that hard. It's not. The thing that drives me crazy is that everybody thinks you got to quit having fun, you got to quit doing all this stuff. Being a Christian does not come with a list of the things this long of, that you've got to quit doing to be good. Because there is no good Christian and there is no bad Christian. If you've come here, uh, then you've heard Kevin preach on that very thing. You've got to teach yourself and re-educate yourself. You've got to get in your Word. You've got to read your Bible. I'll be the first to admit that for some stupid reason, that is one of the hardest things for me to do. I've read this Bible cover to cover, and I've studied different chapters and done this for, for several years, and it's a lifetime thing, just like horsemanship. You never stop learning. But for some dumb reason, as of late, up until I was getting this sermon prepared, and that's why I knew it was something that I needed to talk about because it was preaching to myself, is that I struggle making time to read my Bible and to study it. But if I don't read and know what's in there, then how can I see these things in my everyday life? I can't. If I have no knowledge of, of what's in there, then I can't see these things lived out. And it's more important to know the meanings and the teachings of this book rather than it is to be able to sit there and say, well, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, and say it directly. 
it's better to know the meaning and the true teachings of this than it is to be able to, to quote. So I encourage you to be able to get into your Word and take the time, even if you don't understand everything that it says, take the time to get in there and look for the answers of things you're struggling for in your life and to read because I guarantee you that if you pick it up and read it, it might not be applicable. There we go. I'll try to spit that one out. It might not be applicable. I did it again. Tried for a second time. I'm just going to skip that word. You all know what I'm saying. It might not be of use. See that? See what I did there? <laughs> might not be of use right away, but uh, I guarantee you at some point in your life, it will be. There's nothing in here that's just empty knowledge. It is all important. The next thing that you've got to re-educate yourself and teach yourself is to learn how to pray. It is, Kevin talked about, went over the Lord's Prayer, I believe it was last weekend. We need to teach ourselves to pray and get in the habit of praying. I try to pray as much as I can. That's the one thing that I feel pretty confident about in my life. That doesn't mean that I need to, need to quit working on it because it's a daily thing. But if we don't pray, then we can't communicate with God. If we aren't communicating with God, how can we see Him and be consumed with Him? As you go and you teach yourself these things and you start to re-educate yourself and you start to change the way you think and get your focuses off of the world and everything that it's saying and telling you to do as to what it takes to be successful and what it takes to be a good person, man or woman, and you start to see these differences and you start to see God in everything that you do, then you will start to find that peace, fulfillment, and happiness. It'll be something you can maintain then. Because, as it says, and I'll go back and read it again. That's right, i got to get my Bible back open. I guess I shouldn't have shut that so soon. Now it's going to take me a little while to find it. Okay. <laughs> and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done, all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You've got to change the way you think, and you don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. So as you separate yourself from the world, and you become more consumed with God, it tells us that we will learn to find God's will. I don't know a single person I've ever talked to that was a believer that's, that doesn't want to find God's will for them. In fact, that was one of the most common questions that I hear. Is that, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't, I, I feel like I'm just living and I just don't know what God wants me to do. I, I'm not sure what God's will is for me in my life. I hear it all the time. And I never had what I felt to be the best of answers for that. I'd always just visit with them and, and make sure they know that it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't mean you're not living a godly life just because you're not up on the stage, to be honest with you. There's a lot of, I'm not comfortable up here. I don't like being up here. I, I mean, I like it, but I don't, it, this isn't something that I saw for my life ever, is being up here in front of you all preaching. Something that's actually very tough for me to do. I don't like to speak in crowds. So not all of us are called to, to be up in front of people preaching like I am, but every single one of us are called to be preaching with our lives to be so consumed with God that our everyday lives becomes a sermon. The best, gosh, I wish I could remember that quote. I guess I should have wrote it down in my notes, but that goes to show you I'm not very good at this stuff. Is that the best sermons ever ever preached, there was never a word said, I believe is what the quote says. So as you become consumed with God, you want to live for that fact that, and know that there are people watching you. And when they see you, they are seeing the sermon that you are preaching. 
as you live throughout your everyday lives, as you go throughout what seems to be so normal, whether it be going to work, going to school, going to pick your kids up, or whatever, that every day you are living your sermon. It doesn't require this flimsy old pulpit here. All it requires is a willing person that is willing to be that living sacrifice for God, to be so consumed with God that the thought and the, the I guess the only word for it is the willingness to be that living sacrifice on a daily basis becomes easy. When I was 12, 11 or 12 years old, I started rodeoing. And though my focuses were not right when I was rodeoing until in my later years, I was consumed by rodeo. And I would go, and that was all I thought about. I would work out to the point of, of complete exhaustion. If you've never worked yourself so hard that you can't possibly do anything and your body doesn't function, then, well, I guess I'm happy for you because it's miserable. But uh, I, I would work myself so hard, and I would do everything it possibly took. I would starve myself to keep down in weight. I would do these things, and I would work out. And then I'd go to these rodeos, and it didn't matter what happened to me. When I was 16, I broke two vertebrae in my back. And I think I was riding again in maybe two and a half months. Uh, I remember one time in Utah, in Moab, Utah, I had a bull step on the side of my head and peeled my ear, plumb off my head. The only thing holding on was this little piece of skin here. I had to have it stitched back on. And I went and got on. My mom's in the audience today. She's going to be real proud of this next statement. But I went and got on a bull the very next day in New Mexico with a bandage on my head. My hat would sit like this. That was all I could do. I had the big old bandage and my hair stitched on. I went and got on the very next day and I was consumed by it. And it wasn't giving me anything back until later in my life where I found this out that I was being consumed by it and it was taking away everything. I, I would be gone most holidays. I'd be off at a ro rodeo or something. I didn't see my family. I'd, the only friends I had were the guys that I saw at rodeos and I was consumed by it. And as I started to notice I was being consumed by it, then I started to, to take the time to really get back into my faith, and I wanted to be consumed with God. And that decision right there changed my life. I decided that if I could give all of this, if I could give my body, I'm not very old, and I guarantee you, I feel like a guy that's three times my age when I get out of bed some mornings. I've been broken and beaten up, and I've, I've actually, I've, as I was rodeoing, I've seen people die in the arena. I was willing to give my very life, my body, everything that I possibly had, just to rodeo. And it didn't give me anything in return. There was brief moments of joy and happiness and that, but it never really gave me anything, a sustaining feeling of peace, joy, and fulfillment. There was always times when I'd find myself alone or find myself somewhere when I was thinking that, man, there was just there was an emptiness inside me. There was something that was missing. And I know that if y'all are there, that you know exactly what I'm talking about. There was just something missing. And I made that choice that if I could be so consumed by rodeo, what would happen to my life if I would take that same sort of commitment, that same sort of sacrifice, and be consumed with my relationship with God? Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, all of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. 
Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.